On today's show, understanding the value of the fourth overall pick that the Houston Rockets hold and what they might be able to accomplish with it. Also, the Toronto Raptors and their interest in trading into the top four of this year's NBA draft. And that could mean either with the Rockets directly or with one of those other teams and how that might help the Rockets this year. Plus, we take a look at two Rockets legends, Eric Gordon, Patrick Beverly. Which player would you rather see in a Rockets jersey again next season? All that and more coming right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. The Houston Rockets select Jalen Green, Alperon Shengun, and Jabari Smith Jr. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. Every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Hey, Houston fans, I am so happy. You're getting somebody who's going to come in with a chip on their shoulder, somebody who's going to come, come in and compete from day one. Six, five, four, three, two... One. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcast and on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment and subscribe. I want your thoughts. Would you rather see Eric Gordon or Patrick Beverly in a Rockets jersey next season? Let us know in the YouTube comments. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com. Promo code locked on. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked On Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on the way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for making LOR part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, Frank, from the Rockets Chop Shop. You can follow on Twitter at FTank58. And also be sure to check in with the Rockets Chop Shop at HTX Chop Shop on Twitter as well and on the YouTube channel. Now, Frank, this past week, there was a lot of hubbub in the Rockets community of surrounding... <laughs> surrounding trades and hypothetical trades and the trade machine and all that. And I, I think what I want to focus on here for a minute is trying to understand some of the value behind what this fourth overall pick maybe means for the Rockets. Because I think when I look at, when I look at any hypothetical trade situation, whatever, I try, and I don't know if you do this too, but you know, I, tr I try to take my red tinted shades off and I try to be as objective about it as I can. But inherently what happens with trade hypotheticals, right? With any fan base, this isn't just the Rockets, it's with any fan base. We overvalue our own assets and we undervalue the assets of other teams. And my guy, Kelly Eco, I love Kelly to pieces. He put out an article with some hypothetical Rockets trades in there and man, they were... They were pretty rough around the edges, and that's that's putting it lightly. So Very. I don't I don't know like I don't know if there's just a misconception about what this fourth pick could potentially be worth. But to me, a top four pick in a draft with some serious top heavy talent in this draft is worth a lot. Like it's worth to me an established borderline kind of star player. And when I've like discussed this with other, you know, other Rockets fans with, you know, guys who cover other teams around the league, that seems to be the general sentiment is that that pick could actually get you a pretty decent haul. Yeah. I mean, I, I think what is happening or I'm going to assume what happened is a 
really undervaluing of that pick, overvaluing of players around the league, and also the dynamics of this draft specifically. I think the Wemby phenomenon like kind of skews how we are viewing the rest of these players because Wemby is such a, like a one-off and he's almost to a tier in himself. If you remove Wemby from this draft and you look at the talent going down, it's still a pretty strong draft. For example, Scotty Barnes was the fourth pick um, in Jalen's class um, when he was drafted. Where would a Scotty Barnes fit in this draft? And when you start thinking about some of these, and this is a guy that's, that's the rookie of the year, you, however you feel about it, I'm, I'm actually high on Scotty Barnes. So I think the that all the kind of mixed together have people kind of going all sorts of different ways, but it's still a top five pick and the top five pick is still going to be a premium. One of the highest premium picks you will have in the NBA. Uh, I see the, the draft picks as currency and that's top dollar. So yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of um, kind of, I think there's a lot of just misevaluation going on with these assets, whether it's the players or the picks itself. You know, and I, I wonder if there's, this this could be an interesting thought experiment, and I thought of this mid-segment, so I'm throwing Frank for a loop here, too. Bro, um, let's go. If we were to look at, and I, this has been an exercise that's been kind of thrown out there you know, in the draft community or whatever, kind of ranking some of this year's prospects as they would rank against previous draft prospects. One, one yeah. that we've thrown out there is, like, where would you take Scoot Henderson? Like, Scoot Henderson would go number one overall in, like, every previous draft you know, all the way back to like, say 2019, right? Zion would be the one guy where you're like, okay, you probably maybe still take Zion over Scoot as a prospect, right? So if you were to maybe rank the prospects from these last like three or four drafts, like where would some of the prospects in this year's draft kind of come into play? And I think that maybe would help paint a better picture as to how valuable the fourth pick is, right? And and the type of prospect right. that you might be able to ultimately get. So if we were to just go through like a, a top 10 list and we're, you know, I'm, we're doing this on the fly here. So like what? Right. We put Wimby number one, right? That's pretty easy. Right. Okay. So Wimby number how far, one. How many years, how far back are we going? Let's say we'll go, we'll go through the 2021 draft. So from, so, so, okay, make it easy. so the yeah, last, yeah, last yeah. three, right? So, um, so what? Wimby so you got number Wimby one, one? Seems pretty easy. Yeah, Wimby number one. I think that's consensus, right? Wimby number one. Right, right. Okay. I would go probably, my opinion, I think Paolo goes two. Paolo goes two? Okay, wow. See, that, I, 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 would di I would differ like crazy there. I would, I would probably go, I think I would go either Scoot Henderson or Chet Holmgren further up on that tier list. Uh, you know, the reason I the say... And I know it might be just a little bit of uh, retrospective, uh, you know, looking at him from uh, after what he's done. But I mean, the skill set, obviously, the premiums are self-creators. That's why Cade was a higher, higher stock than Jalen, because he was a self-creator and somebody that could generate for other people as well. That's really kind of what bubbles up to the tops of the draft. And then um, I think Paolo with his size and self-creation and um, to me, he was always the number one pick out of Jabari's class, and it wasn't really nothing up for debate there. I just think the size really puts him over the top. But yeah, I, I could, you know, we could quibble over Scoot or, or Paolo, but and, and, I, I, those those guys go to the top for me. And with and without quibbling over him, I guess there's a I guess maybe a better way to look at it. This would be okay. Let's say we've got you know fourth pick in the draft, which guarantees you one of. Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, or Amin Thompson. Right? How many of those guys would you then? 
like rank above some of the other prospects from these past couple of years, right? Would you put, right. uh, you know, an Amon Thompson over uh, Cade Cunningham? Would you put a Scoot Henderson over a Cade Cunningham or a Jalen Green? Where do those guys stack up, stack up against a Jabari Smith Jr. or a Paolo Bancaro, right? And to me, what that says is, because again, like draft philosophy wise, like you and I would probably have drastically different lists. Right. And, and, and this would take us a whole episode to get through like a top 10 list of the last few year drafts. This was a terrible idea to throw in the middle of the segment. Uh, right? <laughs> No, it's okay. is, but it's okay. We're just salvage it. We're, we're, we're derailing from the top of the show. It's going to be fantastic. That's it's look, it, right. nowhere to go. Nah, from, nowhere to go but up from here. No, nah, we got it. We got it. But I think what I'm trying, the point that I'm trying to get to here is essentially, I think when you look around the league, right? How many of those teams would you look at and be like, you know, yeah, I would absolutely jump at the chance for a, you know, for an Evan Mobley or for a Jalen Green or for a Cade Cunningham. That's the type of value that the number four pick basically has in this year's draft yep. with any of, you know, Tom, one of the Thompson twins or Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. And that type of value, when you look at trading one of those players, a Cade or a Jalen or an Evan Mobley or a Paolo Bancaro, those types of young, enticing prospects should be able to get you at least a borderline all-star, if not an already established all-star type player in a vacuum. And when so when you're looking at these hypotheticals, that's the kind of value that I think the number four pick provides. And I think that around the league, I think that's probably the perception as well. Yeah, and, and it just goes back like, once again, what, do you, what is the view of the assets in the NBA? The reason first round picks are the are the are the uh the flow of of cash that we use to get players is because they they have the most value and when first round picks are defined like ours is in the fourth spot you know it's like a premium 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 it adds that much more value to it a lot of these protections that these picks have that that get traded around you know top 8 protected the team still include them because they know there's a chance that they could get between you know the first pick and the eighth pick and they still value them so when you know something that's top 5 and it's number 4 um, i think you know using role players to trade back uh for that pick alone is just wild to me um but it it really you know even back to the exercise like in the top six, just go look at the draft and past years and see what type of players has really come out of that top six or seven range over the years. And, and that really should help people reconsider how they're they're viewing this. Um, I think the Rockets should approach that pick as, as like you said, a young all-star or near all-star level player. And to me, that's the line for me where I'm like, this is what I'm going to trade for it. Any like borderline uh, starter or anything like that is just kind of silly, you know, in my opinion. Coming up, we're going to get into whether or not the Raptors could be a possible trade partner for the Houston Rockets, what that might mean as far as just a one-for-one trade or potentially a three-team type deal, as well as a couple Rockets legends and who you might want to see in a Rockets jersey in next season, Eric Gordon or Patrick Beverly. We're going to get there in just one moment. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Next game, how about Jason Tatum to score more than 26.5 points? What about Bam Adebayo to have more than 7.5 rebounds? Or how about Jimmy Butler to have less than 6.5 assists? Or maybe Jalen Brown to have less than 3.5 three-pointers made? So what is prize picks? It's daily fantasy sports. But how does it work? Basically, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times back on your money on any entry that you submit. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. And prize picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. Plus, here's the best part. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that simple. They're safe. They offer fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. And right now, 
every day of the NBA playoffs and still during the finals, one PrizePix user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. But to find out how you have to download the app, so download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That means if you deposit $100, bucks, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, bucks, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Be sure to stay tuned in throughout the week as we have you covered for all of the pre-draft rumors and speculation. And I'm sure at some point later this week, we're going to bring back up the old James Harden debate too. So don't want to miss out on that because that's going to be a thing (laughs) all the way until July 1st. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, thankfully, no, you know, no James Harden speculation in this episode. We're gonna, we're, he's off limits in this. I episode. know it's, it's, it's a bit weird not talking about him, but I'll, I'll try to hold myself off. I know, right? It just he, he is. <laughs> we're just no, no Harden in this episode. Um, maybe we'll, we'll probably break that rule at some point. Let's take a look. I'll so, bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> so looking at you know, also shout out to. Kelly Eco, who also mentioned on a recent podcast uh, for The Athletic that the Raptors have actually called the Rockets uh, about the fourth overall pick. And the Raptors are definitely one of those teams that you look at and they you could easily and very realistically see them being a team that is trying to dig their way into the top side of the draft, right? Get, you know, trade up and get into that top four range. Uh, whether it's with the Rockets at pick number four or the Blazers at pick number three or even the Hornets at pick number two, uh, Masai Ujiri is definitely a guy who is very aggressive in in his approach to improving the Raptors, building the team out, all that stuff. And I wonder what that would look like because to me, right, we talked about the value of that fourth pick in the first segment. I don't know if there's anything on the Raptors roster like right now in a vacuum that I'd feel great about trading the number four pick for, right? Like it's basically Pascal Siakam and... OG Ananobi and maybe Scotty Barnes. Like does, right. does any of that, does any of that sound enticing to you, Frank? I mean, um, not to me, but according to Kelly Eco, it's not only enticing. In fact, we should throw the whole, uh, the whole bag at, at, at uh, one of their players and, um, you know, shout out to him. I know he got a lot of grief for, for that article. And, uh, no, he, he, know, he does fancy, you know, he does absolutely fantastic yeah. work. We just got, we just <laughs> got to keep him away from the trade machine. That's all. Yeah, yeah, bro. Just, just stay out of there. But, um, but let me, I'm going to read his trade first and then, um, well, we can talk about it. So he proposed that the Rockets, um, for, to get OG Ananobi that we should give up KJ Martin, Tari's and the number four pick. Doesn't stop there. Uh, the And a 2025 first round top six protected. So basically you're giving up two top six picks, um, a lottery pick in Tari Eason and a young player in KJ Martin, which is hella wild to me um, for, for the, to give up for OG Ananobi. I look at their roster. One thing Toronto we can say they're good at is that they can get players that are either um, not valued highly enough or, players, hidden gems. Like that's really what they do. They do a great job finding these hidden gem players and developing them um, very, very well. Um, And for OG Ananobi, as much as I love him as a player, you think about the premise of Kelly's article, and he explained this on that podcast, is that he he was um, operating under the conditions of James Harden. Sorry, we have to bring it up. Uh, being on the Knew team. Knew we were going to break the rule. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I made it two minutes after saying I wouldn't. Um, 
So James Harden being on the team and the team trying to be quote unquote phase two and being competitive and all that. And so that's the premise. And to me, OG doesn't move that needle at all, like at all. So I just don't see the value of mortgaging your entire, uh, you know, that's a lot of assets to move for a guy that's going to do what? Give us, get us to a six seed with James Harden. Um, to me, the the context for a move like that is either A, you're bringing in a player that's better than James Harden that's going to help you because that's a we're trying to win now move. Or you already have a player on the roster that's better than James Harden and you're trying to solidify your team to compete for championships. Those are not types of trades that you make when you're just trying to be a team that's transitioning out of being a bottom tier team to a competitive team. And so for me, like the fourth pick, if it's not a a young stud like a, a the Jalen Browns of the world, the Mikael Bridges, I'm, I really don't want to hear it. I'd rather just draft one of these guys and just take my swing on upside, which I still think we're in the window of despite being in phase two, we can still swing on upside because we still, you know, we love all our players, but they're still undefined as to what their NBA career is going to be. So it's not like we've drafted Michael Jordan already. So, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm definitely um, a big no to the Raptors roster for just the fourth pick in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, as much as I do like Scotty Barnes as a player, I just think he's so close to, if not kind of already at like his ceiling more or less as a player. I don't think I would trade the fourth pick straight up for Scotty Barnes. Like that's, that's how yeah. highly I view the guys who are available at four, whoever is left out of that trio that we keep mentioning, Scoot, Brandon Miller, and Amon Thompson, or potentially even reaching further down the draft for like a Cam Whitmore or an Asar Thompson or a Jarris Walker. Any of those guys, I would I would take and and bet on their upside versus where Scotty Barnes is at right now, which says a lot because he won freaking Rookie of the Year. But right. What it does become kind of interesting is if Toronto is being super aggressive about trying to get into the top side of this draft, they could make a very realistic trade partner for the Portland Trailblazers, right? Where, you know, if it's it's apparently by all reporting, it seems like the Nets do not want to give up Mikhail Bridges under any circumstances. So they're just like, no, we're, you know, untouchable. So that ship has sailed maybe for the Blazers to pair Mikhail Bridges with Dame. And if the Raptors are looking to get rid of one of Pascal Siakam and and or OG Ananobi, Siakam could be the kind of guy that the Blazers take a hard look at with that number three overall pick. And if they do that, that could bode well for the Rockets because, again, Amon Thompson to me screams like he is a Masai Ujiri guy. Like I could absolutely see the Raptors going to pick number three and saying, Amon Thompson, that's our guy. And then somehow Scoot Henderson falls back to the Rockets at four. I mean, the, the Masai Ujiri guy is the non-shooting athlete. I think that's <laughs> that's like that's what he gets off to. Like, oh yeah, he can't shoot. He's tall. He has a long wingspan. Yeah, bring him. He's a raptor. <laughs> uh, but uh, Amin yeah, Thompson, I mean, you are right. a Toronto Raptor. There we <laughs> go. A Toronto Raptor. You were born. You and your brother. But um, yeah, I think that the Blazers. I, I think the Nets are captain. I'm not even gonna lie. I think that's cap every team. Oh yeah. He's off the books, you know, but I think, you know, the offers has to be just right. They're just gassing up his value so that when the time does come that they can get what they want. But um, you know, with the, with the trade with Siakam or OG um, to the Portland, I think that's definitely something that we should look to um, trying to get involved in. And then you get into the question of, okay, if you don't like OG Ananobi with that, you know, maybe the fourth pick and some other future assets, why should, um, who should who matters on the upper end of the draft? And we talked about this last time. And it gets down to do you think Scoot Henderson is worth whatever you're going to be trading for? Is he 
uh, does he meet the definition I just laid out for myself, which is a young stud? And yes, I mean, yes, I think he fits the definition of a young stud. And um, shout out to Bima Thug, uh, David Weiner on, twi on Twitter, pointing out that the value of also getting one of these young guys on the contra contractual end, as opposed to trading for a player that's going to give you a, a bigger cap hit, is also something that should be considered because not only are you getting a potential all-star level player out of the draft, you're also getting somebody that's going to be uh, leave no trace of salary on your on very your cost controlled. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's, there's, there's other um, value to just getting these players rather than just adding salary to your, uh, to your, to your salary sheet for a guy that may or may not even help you do what you're trying to do um, in the short term. And I think to me, the, all of this, I think we need to just look and see what are we doing? And, you know, maybe we can talk about this in the future. Like, the Rockets really, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that everything they're doing is like a bunch of smoke screens and just trying to let everybody know that they're everywhere with everything. Um, but for the fan base, just think about like, what are you guys trying to draw out of this, where we are in this rebuild? Like, what is your end game? Because if you think that mortgaging your future to be a six seed right now is worth the past three years, um, I just want everybody to take a step back and just look at like, like, what does it take to build a contender and how do you get there? And especially looking at how Denver, who has been, you know, banging on the door of this or what they've been doing for the past, you know, since, you know, maybe six, six years. Um, Jokic has been on that team for eight years. You know, they've been trying and losing in a different uh, rounds in the playoffs, kept their core together, kept their coach together. These things take time and you have to be patient with the guys that you bring in. And if you want the microwave, uh, let's get to the playoffs and get on ESPN. That's cool. But if you're trying to be a team that's going to build something that's sustainable over time, then you really have to make really good decisions with not only your players, but some of these assets that we have. And uh, Keldon Johnson doesn't really just do that for me. So, you know, it's just or Jordan Poole. Ke Keldon John Johnson's Collins. not a Keldon Johnson's not a needle mover nah. for you, man. He's not nah, he's not doing it for you. Me off. Nah, that's not doing it for me, man. So. Yeah, let, I just think that we just need to just all just take a deep breath and take a step back on everything. Coming up, I actually want to I want to reply to that. I want to get back to that topic as well as we want to get to our our would you rather between Rockets guard legends Eric Gordon and Patrick Beverly. We're gonna get there in just one moment. And final segment here at Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now. Frank, I think you brought up a great point, right? About what, you know, just the direction of this team. And this is something that we could, you know, unpack over the course of, you know, an entire freaking week. It would take multiple episodes, right? The different options, the different ways that things could go this offseason. But I do think that when you look at where things have kind of gone these last three years, I know that originally, you know, Tillman Fertitta buys the team, takes over, inherits like this, you know, 65 win monster. And then, you know, in the immediate aftermath of that, there were some decisions made, right? The, the, you know, the perception of Chris Paul's contract, trading him for Russell Westbrook, like all that stuff. I do think though, that over these last three years, ownership has kind of been forced to make a really tough decision, which is, Hey, we're going to bottom out, right? We're going to rebuild and we're going to be bad. And it, 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 it it's not an easy decision to make, right? We see lots of organizations that do not want to bottom out. They do not want to subscribe to a rebuild for all the reasons, not just the on the court product, but the business incentives of a rebuild, right? And how, how much that hurts your bottom line for being a bad team for so many years. So I want to say that I'm cautiously optimistic that they've earned maybe the benefit of the doubt for kind of dealing with these last three years. And at any point, right, they could have 
broken the glass and done a bad trade or mortgaged like future assets or a young guy to go get like a win now impact kind of guy. And even though the James Harden smoke, oh, there I go. I broke the rule now. Um, <laughs> even though the James Harden smoke is pretty like prominent, I still think that the right organizational move, right, is is potentially, okay, they bring him back, but they don't then like try to band-aid fix it and trade for a Siakam or whoever, you know, you know, sign a Chris Middleton to pair with Harden to be like some like, you know, ragtag six, seven seed. I think the direction that the organization is trying to head is they want long-term future success and they're not going to try and shortcut to get to that point. And that's what I think Harden is. Is Harden is like the stopgap, the guy who bridges the gap and kind of gets you back to a place of being competitive a little bit quicker, but without like that Band-Aid fix, if some of that makes sense. Like I, I'm just at a point where yeah, I got, I, we got to see it play out, but I'm cautiously right. optimistic that they're not going to like fumble and do the wrong thing and like trade the fourth pick for Pascal Siakam or do whatever, you know, the, make those bad like Sacramento Kings-esque type roster decisions, which, you know, that's, that's a stray to the Kings, but you know, for the better part of 17 years, that's kind of how things went over there. So I think it's, I think it's deserved. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all going to come down to what is James Harden's expectations of, of coming here and what are the Rockets expectations of him, him being on the team. And it's, it's, you know, it seems like it's, you know, it's going to be something that's going to happen. Um, and it's just, to me, it matters. Like what, what are the terms of, of that? What does that look like? And I've heard people ask, well, can they do a middle ground of trying to be competitive and the same time develop, which I think is the best path. I just don't know what phase two means to Rafael Stone and Tilma Fertitta. Um, and I think that's really what's going to determine that. If phase two is we're trying to win at all costs and bringing back James Harden alone, and even if you bring him back with another player, like even a Mikel Bridges, it's not going to win you anything. Um, like I said earlier, you have to have somebody that's clearly better than him to even have a chance. And what does that cost? That may be everything. So it's it's going to be a big summer and, you know, we're going to see. But I, I just think that for for the team, I, I, I do agree with you. I think Ime Udoka being in that um, brain trust now also to me adds a lot of credibility to what they're going to be doing because you know that you have somebody that is an NBA regular that's been around the league, has been around winning. And so that also eases me a bit to know that he's in there. Like he's not going to, you know, hopefully their value is opinion and he's not going to let us crash out trying to be a six seed when he can see the young talent. I think he chose to come here because of the young talent, the flexibility we have. So you just hope, you hope that would, you know, that they know what they're doing and but this is a big summer for everybody in that front office. They've gotten away with the tank being the umbrella for good, bad, and indifferent that's happened in the organization. Now you got to perform. So we'll see what what they really have in, uh, have in their bags uh, and what they can do in trying to build a real winning roster. Yeah, they they've been hiding behind the uh, the tank shield, if you will, or they've just been right. uh, you know, not even hiding behind the tank shield. They've been in, yeah, literally just, in the tank, yes. and they've been bulldozing all the accusations. And now they're like poking their head out of the top of the tank, and they've actually <laughs> got to face reality and like see like, oh, this is what running a competent organization might actually look like but to your point about Udoka right he is the really interesting variable here I, to my understanding is that he is being heavily involved in you know all the decision making process moving forward right that you know being consulted on 
what their opinions with the draft as well as roster construction. Uh, he, we already know he's got the autonomy to you know select his own staff. Like he's been given a lot of power very very quickly. Um, at least as far as just he is now very much added in that brain trust. Whereas before it was very evident that Steven Siles was not in that brain trust, right? Like the brain trust was Rafael Stone, Eli Whitus, and. Pat Fertitta, and that was that. And now it feel it very much feels like Ime Odoka is now in that core of three, and now it's a quartet, if you will, as far as the primary decision makers and the driving forces behind the organization. Now, Rockets fan favorite, former point guard, Patrick Beverly was recently on his podcast and he was actually asked, do you really think that James Harden is going to go back to Houston? And is there any chance of you reuniting with him back in Houston? And Pat Bev said, very high chance. That was one of my decisions when I got traded from the Lakers. Houston was one of my, you know, options. But but, but they yeah, told me, yeah. they told me, Pat, we don't need you right now. You might not play. We need you to mentor young guys, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I, I still wanted to play. Now, that's a factor in in whatever veterans the Rockets look to bring in, right? It, it, we've talked about this before. It's You have to have the right vets, the ones who can be mm-hmm. kind of bought into the idea of, hey, there might be games where you don't play at all, and there might be games where we lean on you really heavily. It just kind of depends based on matchup or based on how good or bad some of the young guys are playing, that kind of thing. We also know that Eric Gordon has a chance to become a free agent this offseason, depending on what the Clippers decide to do or not do with his contract moving forward. It is fully non-guaranteed, so they could essentially wave him, let him go, and and just not pick up that, that year on his deal. It's effectively a team option. So he might be a free agent this summer. Frank, if you had a choice between Pat Bev and Eric Gordon and bringing one of them back to the Houston Rockets moving forward, who would you take and why? Oh, man. As much as I love EG, I got to go with Pat Bev because... One, we've seen how EG kind of, you know, that it, it didn't end bad, but I don't know. It, it was kind of weird how that kind of phased out. I mean, it kind of apexed at him sitting there staring blankly, having an ex- existential crisis on the benches. Jabari and Jalen uh, were trying to fight each other. Um, so probably thinking like, where am I? You know, you know, if you watch those that, movies. That thousand says, yard stare goes, just. Yeah, yeah, it goes, it goes, yeah, that's me. How did I get here? Re- record, record scratch, freeze frame. I should have a record scratch audio soundbite yeah, on the sound. Really? All right, I'm adding that for the next show. Yeah, but um, I think Pat Beverly, well, first of all, he's undefeated in the play-in. So if we're going to be a play-in <laughs> team, I'd rather have the uh, Jerry, what, not the Jerry West, because he lost a lot. Like, who's the, the Jordan? The, 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 no, the Jimmy Butler of the play-in. There you go. Jimmy we'll just Butler <laughs> of the play-in. Like, this dude is undefeated in the play-in. I want him standing on the on the uh, uh, announcer's tables at Toyota Center, waving at the crowd with his shirt off uh, as we finally crack, you know, being a, a 500 team at the last game of the season. Um <laughs> It's. I mean, I'm there for all the antics. Pat Bev, and I think it's a position of need. Like, Eric Gordon is redundant with multiple players that we have. I think Pat Beverly has shown that he can take a backseat to young, uh, up-and-coming players. As he's shown in uh, when he was in Minnesota. Um, he's obviously a locker room leader. He's a guy that I've wanted on this team because I think Jalen um, – Kevin Porter, if he's still there, whoever, Josh Christopher, all our guards, even Jabari, Shang, they need somebody that's going to cuss them out in practice. They need somebody that's going to like let them know that they're not doing right. The stuff that John Wall tried to do for them, the stuff that Eric Gordon tried to do in his own way, but that's not Eric's personality. And to me, the age of our guys, we need a Patrick Beverly. Now, if we can get both of them, obviously, Eric Gordon's a Houston legend. I would never disrespect them. He is always welcome back. 
um, if there's a way to get him back on the team. Uh, I just think that he was asked to do something that he was not equipped to do. And uh, but yeah, if if you had to make me pick, gun in my head, I'm going Pat Bev. I think I'm right there with you, man. I've I wanted Pat Bev as like a mentor on this team for a long time. The the part that stands out to me is the idea of you know still wanting to play, and that's that's the part that might throw a wrench into the situation, right? Because when you're looking at you know Jalen Green. Probably Kevin Porter Jr. still on the roster. Maybe a potential James Harden return. That's like the 13th time that we've broken the rule on this podcast. Uh, shout out to 13 <laughs> himself. But uh, you know, just there, there. You know, at what point do you run out of minutes for your guards? Right. At what point does he become you know a third string insurance policy vet versus a vet who's actually getting like meaningful rotation minutes? It kind of becomes the problem. So, but if he's able to buy into a role, if he's able to buy into that that veteran mentorship locker room presence type guy. And if Harden comes back to Houston and he's down to like reunite with him and all that, I would absolutely throw money on the table for, for Pat Bev. And that could be, he could be had for like the room exception. You might be able to throw him like a little, you know, two or three million, you know, sorry, not two or three million, uh, two or three year deal, you know, out of your cap space, you know, eight to 10 million a year. Like he is not going to be an expensive free agent whatsoever. And the amount of, I think, off the court stuff that he just brings to your team, right? The leadership, the ability to kind of bring these young guys along, all of that, the intangibles, if you will. Uh, yeah. He would absolutely be the exact type of veteran that you want around these young guys. I think there's something special, right? When you look at a guy like a Pat Beverly or you use PJ Tucker as one of the examples, you know, guys who have had to really like fight and claw and grind their way to their NBA career, right? Did like the overseas overseas stint, that kind of thing. Because those guys have, I think, like even an even greater appreciation for like what that means to be an NBA player, to have a team, to to know that you've got your future ahead of you, all that stuff. And those are the types of lessons that can be imparted to a young guy that maybe like an assistant coach can't necessarily like relate with a player on that level. Uh, but a guy like Pat Bev kind of can. So I think I'm, I think I'm with you there, but we want your thoughts. Let us know in the comments. If you had your choice between bringing Eric Gordon back to the Houston Rockets or bringing back Patrick Beverly, who would you want to see in a Rockets Jersey next season on that note, Frank, you know, the drill letter of me know where to track you down at. Yeah, obviously Rockets Chop Shop on YouTube and uh, ACS Chop Shop on Twitter. Uh, we just, um, one of our writers, James Piercy, just wrote an article. Um, and you guys can go to the Rockets Chop Shop page and check it out. The link is uh, on there. Just talking about the kind of the feedback from the, some of the, some subsection of the fan base about, you know, like even for you, Jackson, or me, or us content creators, writers, um, just basically saying that we're people too. You know what I mean? If y'all think our trades are trash, let us know, but let's not get disrespectful. Cause if y'all know me, y'all wouldn't say that in, in person. So, you know, shout out to all the content creators out there on every platform that we have. Yes. Sometimes we say trash stuff like trading Jabari in the fourth pick and y'all let me know loud and clear. You know what I mean? I hear y'all. Um, but you know, let's keep it respectful and, uh, you know, just understand that we're all just trying to, you know, trying to make it out this, this, uh, phase one. And that's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just go to YouTube, search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.